Welcome, 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 one and all, to another episode of the Pavelcast, brought to you by Data Pavel. We got a good one. Brent Watkins is on the show. Brent is a data guy, whiskey enthusiast, and New Orleans native. Uh, we go through his origin story. We learn about his family's oyster farming business and how you actually farm oysters, his IT career, his passion for whiskey. We actually get to learn how whiskey is made and what peated means. And we just enjoy the whole fascinating world of the spirits. It's a good idea to be drinking a little bit of whiskey as you listen to the show, if possible. You know, Brent is pretty smart, but how did he get smart? Well, we find out together. Hint, uh, it's reading and curiosity. Those two are vital. We get hot tips for working in a virtual world. We travel to Tokyo and Toronto, and we get the inside scoop on New Orleans. Also, I think I made Brent laugh a lot, and he has a very nice laugh. It's a fun listen. Hey, please enjoy. Tell a friend. Subscribe. Like. We're on YouTube. We're everywhere. We're doing one episode every two weeks. Because we love our audience. Have a great day. Enjoy the listen. Can do it. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, and it is Labor Day weekend, and we are here with Brent Watkins. We're about to enjoy another episode of the Pavelcast. Um, welcome to the show, Brent. Uh, thank you. Glad to be here. There you are. Um, so you right now are in, where are we? We're inside your little garage space? Yeah, yeah. I'm just hanging out in my garage right now. Getting away from the kids. Okay, that's I mean that makes sense. How is it hard to step away on Labor Day weekend for a little podcast action? No, no, it's great. <laughs> Been home with me uh, all week, so that's good. All right, well, let's tell people a little bit about your story here. So, uh, I mean, I think it starts out in New Orleans. Is that where? Where are you from exactly? Yeah, I'm from uh, New Orleans. I'm around this area. Mm-hmm. Born and raised? Yeah, born and raised. So you were from New Orleans. You are just like, you grew up there. Like, do you understand like you're part of, are you Cajun, Creole? Like, tell, tell me about that. Like, what's the deal here with Yeah, that? yeah, I guess you can call it Cajun. Uh, so my grandpa, an oyster farmer, my dad oyster farmer as well. You know, I didn't end up going into business, went to IT instead. But they were also oyster farmers when they came over from France. So they're not like Cajun from Acadia, but they, they come from France. And in France, people also farm oysters? Where? Yep. On the ocean? No, off the coast, in the tidal waters and stuff. South coast of France. And how does that work? In, so in New Orleans, your grandpa, he shows up, he like speaks French only, and he like, do you know when they moved to this country? Oh, no. So it was like a few generations before him that moved back. But yeah, like so in France, they just chip the oysters off the rocks with the chisel. Mm-hmm. Here we dredge off the bottom of the marsh. <laughs> so we have a bottom of the marsh in some of these New Orleans waters. And you guys mm-hmm. go in, oysters, and you like, just pick them up versus like. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's like two ways to do it. So like it's a lot more like farming than it is like fishing because you got to like prepare the bottom of the bed uh, with like. Limestone or concrete or other hard materials that build up and the oysters can like latch onto. Mm -hmm. And then you build like a plateau on the bottom of the marsh and then you drag your dredge like a big rake across it and it scoops up all the oysters. And how long does it take for an oyster to grow there? Like three years or so? You have to see them yourself? Yeah, yeah. So they have like public oyster grounds. You can go dredge and get baby oysters and then go bring those oysters back to your grounds. Mm-hmm. And then they'll grow and multiply. 
Are you, do you like eating oysters? I like fried oysters, charcoal oysters. I don't really eat them raw. Have you ever tried? Like, I, I will sometimes with other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I used to love raw oysters. I had a bad experience eating raw oysters at some, like, college bar, which was a mistake. Don't order oysters at a college bar. It was a good deal, though. And then I was, like, sick for a day and a half. Like, buying mm -hmm. out of all ends. And, and now I'm still getting back into oysters. Um, all right. So you could have so, – and then yeah, I think you told me before, like, how do you own the oyster grounds? Because it's pu yeah. is it public land? Yeah, water? so it's all, all water is owned by the government. You have to uh, go stake out land that's not already claimed by somebody else and then have a surveyor come out. And then for a fee, they'll um, survey the lot and put those coordinates into uh, the database. And so, like, you now own that lease, and then you pay taxes on it every year. And so your family still owns some of that land? Yeah, yeah, they're still uh, it leasing it, leasing it from the government, yeah. Dope. Did you, when you were a kid, did you go out there, oyster hunting? Yeah, I went out there a few times, never to like, you know, oyster farms, it's a lot of heavy machinery and stuff like that, but we'd go out there fishing and stuff like that around what the kind area. Of, what kind of uh, heavy machinery is it? Like the rakers, like a heavy machinery kind of deal? Yeah, like the chains and the winches and stuff like that. Um... Do you have a topic? Like I was, you know, I put myself a little bourbon because I know you're, you know, you're my whiskey. Uh, I, I assume you're prepared. <laughs> you know, we waited till it's uh, 3 p.m. Central. It's a holiday weekend. Um, the, to the whiskey, right? It is something that is kind of special. I'm glad that we can destroy, enjoy it together. What are you uh, looking yeah. at? Uh, Glenn Roth's Sherry Cask 2004 Vintage. What, do you remember the first time you had whiskey? No, probably at like some bar somewhere. And you were like young, whatever. Yeah, yeah. How, like, tell me how you got to becoming kind of a, if I may use the word, connoisseur. <laughs> Is it connoisseur? <laughs> yeah, I will say, uh, so right after our second kid was born, my wife went out of town for a work trip and I had both the kids by myself for like a week. <laughs> you like, and I was like, she, as soon as she got back, I was like, I'm going to the liquor store. I'll see you later. <laughs> oh my God. And a dude, the counter store pointed me to something good. So ever since. Well, okay. So you went to a liquor store. You want to have a drink. Why was it whiskey? Why wasn't it a bottle of wine or gin or whatever? Uh, because I'd always drank like a highball. Like mainly Crown Royal seven, seven and seven. I see. So you were drinking whiskey all the time, and now you're like, you know what? I need a treat. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go get something good today. And what was it? Do you remember? Uh, Glendronic eighteen allergies. So this is a Scottish whiskey. Yeah, it was a Scotch. I actually went there for a, a rye, and then the guy pointed me to this instead. And rye is basically only made in America, or no? They make it everywhere. Rye whiskey. Um, they do make it everywhere, but mostly in the U.S., yeah. And, you know, as a, do you have a sense of, like, where does whiskey come from? Where did it first originate? Uh, they say a long time ago in China. They were, <laughs> China, uh, no, no, everything is always in China. They got the right. noodles in China, right. fireworks, chopsticks, whiskey, too. What is it, so what yeah. defines, what defines whiskey? versus vodka 
You know what I mean? Fermented grains pretty much is what makes it a whiskey. Whether it's barley, wheat, whatever, rye. But vodka is so also from, fermented. No, no, it's not fermented. It's it's distilled. Is that the difference? Yeah, yeah. Distilled, yeah. Because mm-hmm. the, the mash is fermented. Can you tell us how whiskey is made, like at a high level? Oh, uh, yeah. So that's a hard one. I don't well, know. So they take the malted barley from really high level. They take that, for a single malt anyway, they take that barley, they malt it on the floors. If they peat it, what does it mean? What does it mean it. to malt something? So when you let the barley germinate, when it just starts to germinate, okay, that's malting when it starts opening up. That's when it starts turning all those um, carbohydrates and stuff. And, and then when it starts to germinate, it's basically kind of like a little seedling coming out of it that's trying to grow. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. See, that's what's malting something is you're starting to germinate it. And, and what's what peating? Peating, so that's like they take, the Scottish marsh that they used to use for like fuel and fire to burn. So they dry the malted barley over that peat smoke. And so that's what gives peated whiskey its smoky flavor. Oh, I didn't know that. So you light on fire this moss thing that can be lit on fire. Unclear why. Yeah, it's like chunks of bog. They cut out like blocks. Interesting. And then that creates a smoke. And so is this, so this peating process, does that take like an hour or a hundred days? Uh, it depends on how heavily peating they are, but it could be from like a few hours to like, you know, maybe a day or day and a half. Okay. It just depends on how, what that process is. Do you have a preference for peat? Yeah, I think I like peated better. Mm-hmm. And so now At least that it's slightly peated. Okay, so now that it's dry and peated, what happens next? Um, so after that barley's peated, they're going to stick it in the mash with the water and stir that up. Stir it up? Yeah. And, and then what? Make the wort. Make the what? And that's what fer- the wort, they call it the wort that ferments. Mm. And then how with long With the yeast take? and other stuff, water, barley, yeast. And then from there, they let it sit in there, ferment. And then that's when they go and distill it. And so and then, they still will separate out, you know, those liquids and oils. And depending on the shape, of the, the shape of the still, like different compounds make it further up the still. Mm. So you can have different flavored whiskeys by shaping that still differently when that steam goes up and out. Mm. And and still is like what the, like people not familiar. It's it's like it's, it's what how they moonshine is made. Yeah, that's what they put that mash into, and then they boil it and heat it up, and then it you know evaporates and goes out the top of the still. That's when distilling occurs. And then it condenses to become liquor. Yeah. Well, yeah, it condenses to become that spirit that they put in the barrels. Um. Interesting. And then like when it's 18 years or 25 years older, that's when it just sits in barrels for that long? Yeah, that's how long it's sat in the barrels for. And what happens during that time? So it depends on the kind of environment that that cask is kept in. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a very hot and dry environment, the water at the cask is going to evaporate 
out faster than the alcohol. But if you're in a cold, wet environment, the alcohol is going to evaporate faster than the water. So just give you a different flavor from the same distill it, same barrel. You just put mm-hmm. in a different part of your warehouse, end up with a totally different whiskey. And what about age though? Like 10 versus 20? Yeah. So it's like different chemicals that it'll, or different compounds that it pulls out of the wood, you know, out of the barrel over there. Are, are you in, are you in pain right now? No, I'm not in pain. Am I in pain? I was thinking. I was just thinking. What's like, going ah, what is going on in that fucking barrel? There's no wrong yeah. answers here, man. It's all yeah, yeah. so pathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that barrel is like breathing in and out. So it kind of like filters some of the bad stuff out of the whiskey you don't want into that charcoal layer that's on the barrel. Mm-hmm. And then stuff that comes out will be flavors from either – you know, if it's a freshly charred barrel, it'd be more of those like cinnamon and vanilla notes. But if it was like a, a bourbon barrel it used to be in, it'll be much fruitier. Or it could have been a sherry barrel. It would pull those flavors out instead. What, uh, and they also do barrels that are just complete wood, like n- nothing else has happened in there before? Yep, yep. They call those virgin oak barrels. In general, you wouldn't have a scotch in there for that long because mm-hmm. uh, it would just overpower it would just overpower the malt. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried making your own? No, no. No, not yet, not yet. Soon though. And then, and so that's, so that's your introduction. You go for the scotch. Um, and then you've obviously have explored all the different countries and whiskey makings. I mean, you're close to Kentucky out of New Orleans. Um, you know, how's the community? How's the community? across different countries are you guys is it really the global community or, or are people kind of really territorial to say like i'm from scotland scotch whiskey is the best i'm from kentucky everything else is bullshit only bourbon is good do you find that i mean yeah there's, there's both sides like often when you start drinking one spirit maybe like you're just drawn towards it you like it so much you just don't drink the other things mm-hmm. but you know, I think as you drink more of one type of whiskey, you're just going to want to explore naturally, you know, to see what else is out there. And what do you like Even about drinking it? Uh, it just tastes good, mouthfeel. Tastes good, mouthfeel. Let's try it. I bet something to do with the alcohol and how it affects your body as well has something to do with it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about, and I'll, and I'll drop the whiskey topic, but talk to us a little bit about the ABV, like how that affects the flavoring of the whiskey or the enjoyment of it, or obviously the alcohol in your bloodstream. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, higher ABV almost always will impart more intense flavor, more intense smell. You know, more intense feeling in your mouth, mouth feel. If it's more oily whiskey, it's going to cling longer. Mm. And then if you have a very high ABV whiskey, when you start adding water to it, it can bring, you know, different flavors out of it that you weren't getting before. A lot of times it'll be flavors maybe that were hiding behind such a high ABV. But if you were already giving 
if you're already given a 43 ABV whiskey, you can't really add that much water to it to play around with it. Okay. So I feel like it's always better to have that option with a higher ABV whiskey. It feels like high ABV is like more for professionals and like, I mean, professionals are one word, but people that are into whiskey, quote unquote, versus, you know, schlumps like me. But like, this is also beyond 40%. Like the, I'm drinking Woodford Reserve, just classic Mm -hmm. stuff. Big bottle, Costco style. Shout out Costco, number one sponsor. Costco, sponsor me. (laughs) Yeah, right. Costco, get on it. Um, Interesting, interesting. Okay. Do you, people that have never had whiskey before in their lives, or maybe only had, you know, something very easy or something very accessible like a Jack Daniels, and you want them potentially to open up their palates or explore the world um, of whiskeys? I know it's, I'm sure it's hard, but care to kind of throw some names out there, you know, something accessible, but also something that can kind of go from, you know, this is not. Jack Daniels, this is not uh, whatever. What's another Jack Daniels like? Something with a J. Jameson, that's Irish whiskey. I would yeah, love to. Yeah, it's an Irish yeah, I mean, whiskey, Irish whiskey is good too. Canadian Club? You like Canadian whiskey? There's all these whiskeys in the world. I don't understand. Like, So, this Canadian Club, is that really different than American whiskey? Yeah, it's a Canadian whiskey. So, Canadian whiskeys have different laws than bourbon as well, or American whiskeys. Like, they can add flavoring and do lower ABV, stuff like that. Who makes up these rules? Why? Uh, so, in the U.S., I mean, they had a whole bunch of laws surrounding bourbon because they were making whiskey out of stuff like um, tobacco spit and whatever else. You know, really? You can cut the liquor with, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, we used to use whiskey for medicine in the U.S. And so, they re- the doctors needed a way to be able to prescribe whiskey that they knew the patient knew what the patient was getting. What, so what are we treat, treating with whiskey back then? What, what we treat, anything. They treat everything with whiskey back then. <laughs> <laughs> Would you yeah. gargle it? Just drink it? Like, what was... That's crazy. This, yeah. this is real, huh? What yeah, is this? this is like real, 1800s? Yeah. yeah, like 1800s. They got nothing else. They got like Coca-Cola with cocaine yeah. in it and they got fucking <laughs> whiskey. <laughs> Try both. See what happens. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah, so about then they created the Bottled and Bond Act, which the whiskey at the time had to be matured from a single distiller of, of a single season and matured in a cask in a government-supervised uh, warehouse and bottled at 50% ABV. And so, yeah, from there, there's been quite a few laws um, to protect the liquor industry because it is – you know, it's a substance that people shouldn't be really playing around with um, or cutting up. You really need to know what's in there. What's it mean to cut it up? So they would they would use the tobacco spit inside the fermentation process or afterwards? Um, I'm not sure. I wasn't I wasn't making counterfeit whiskey back then, but at <laughs> least they'd probably the after product they'd probably mix that in there. Mm, disgusting. Okay. Um, and do you have a preference? Like out of all the different types of whiskeys, I, you know, for example, I've been not just a little while ago, we had like really good Japanese whiskey available at the California supermarkets, bonds. 
Um, I wasn't able to find it in La Jolla. It might still be available in the DPB one. Um, I, I really enjoyed drinking that. It was kind of Scottish, Scotch-like to me, but also not really. It was like I was drinking the Hibiki, like the good one. Good the one. Hibiki Harmony? Um, I believe and that's like this it. round, fancy bottle? That's it, yeah. That's a good mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Anyways. It's hard, it's hard to find good Japanese whiskey these days. Yeah, everybody's fucking, yeah, it's hard. So a couple. So let's go back. First of all, what is your favorite? But before you answer that, answer the first question. So for negative one all, not first of all, zero all. What um, uh, what do you recommend people try to kind of go from Jack Daniels and on? Yeah, I mean, so if you're looking for like another bourbon, I'd probably try something like Elijah Craig Small Batch. This is something you've told me before. Okay, so what about if you're looking for a Scotch? Is there a budget yeah, scotch? Really. Do people drink budget scotch? I mean, is Dewar scotch? Yeah. For example. Yeah, Dewar's. It's a blended scotch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you go a step? How do you how do you pre- pretend to become a connoisseur? So it's like, which Somewhere. direction do you want to head in? So you could do something like the Glen Morangi sampler pack. Good value. It's like fifty bucks or so for four small bottles. You know, two hundred milliliters. I think you can try. And so you could try their 10-year-old, their sherry finished, their sauternes finished, and their port finished. And you can get an idea of, like, what you really like in the Highlands or Space Out area. But if you already know you like peated, of course, you go to, like, Lafroig or Ardbeg or, you know, Lagavulin, one of those. Is Obag peated? Very, very lightly. I enjoy that. I enjoy the light penis it brings to my mouth. Yeah, a lot of coastal flavors. What about, a, is there a good Canadian whiskey? Like high end? You know, the, the Canadians like to keep the good Canadian whiskey north they, of the border. They don't even send it down? <laughs> Very little of it. Like Lot Lot 40 is a good um, Canadian whiskey. Crown Royal has been making actually some good high end Canadian ris- whiskeys, which is surprising. Are they a Canadian um, so company? No. Yeah. Crown Royal. Royal, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Like it's hard for a lot of people to get past the Crown Royal name and still pay like seventy dollars for yeah, a bottle of Crown Royal. Crown Royal. It, I thought it was brandy. It's not. Then maybe they do make a brandy. It is whiskey. Crown Royal. Yep, Canadian whiskey. It's always Canadian whiskey. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you want your kids to be when they grow up? I mean, of course, that's a stupid question. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. What I, I they want, want them to be able to do whatever they want. You, you know? don't care what it is? Do you uh, feel like you want them to be like, rich gonna or make them poor. Nothing yeah, that yeah, makes nothing, them poor. <laughs> yeah, nothing that makes them poor. <laughs> Try and push them away from, uh, you know, job opportunities that don't pay well. What, so what is that in today's society? You know, you, you can't even offend somebody, right? Once you start no, no, calling what, what, jobs what if, out that aren't I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I meant to say, what is <laughs> the opposite of that? It's like, what what would you push them into where you think the future is? You can say that. You're right, everybody. <laughs> you, you become a doctor or a lawyer, right? And if you... No, I think that's that, Then we got to find something. I know. I know. No, I think it's... You don't think it's... I See, I'm big on digital stuff, like computer stuff. Like data stuff and like... 
Yeah, it's AI. hard to say where it'll. It's hard to say where it'll be in like you know, fifteen years from now. Well, what Let's is your see. prediction? You think is we think we're gonna hit like some dead block and we're gonna go back to the dark ages where we're not gonna need more computer shit? Maybe it's possible. Like we'll kind of correct. Yeah, I mean, will AI be commoditized at that point or not? Right. And, mm, and if it is, then like all these jobs are getting nom, 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 beep. Yeah, well, it won't be the jobs that AI replaces. It'll be the job, how efficiently can you work with the AI to do your job better? I think that'll that's be where you succeed. Right, those who can use yeah. the AI the best, not those who try and compete with the AI. Cannot compete with AI, for sure. Yeah. Where are you on self-driving? I'm sorry, come again? I accept your apology. It was a deep apology, and it was very nice of you to offer it. <laughs> um, where do you stand on self-driving? I mean, we'll get there at some point to where I want it. We're almost there now. We're almost there now. Yeah, care to, like, make a guess of when it's, like, accessible as, like, a you know, on your app as an a la Uber, so accessible to everybody cheaply. Five years, I think five years. That's my man. See, optimistic. I also think it's going to be like something like five years, even though a lot of people think it's impossible. But I think we're really close. And I think yeah. once you break the barrier, it'll it'll very quickly, very quickly. GM already has some of those self-driving taxis running around, huh? I mean, Tesla. Like yeah, there's a bunch of them trying it. Yeah. I think no one has perfected the technology. Um, I think Tesla is ahead, but what about the new Lucid? Uh, the new Lucid Air. What's that? Don't know what that. That's is. the uh, the new Tesla killer that they're releasing any day now. Like specs about it. It's a like Tesla Lucid killer. Air Dream Edition. Yeah, like one thousand sixty horsepower or something. Nine point nine seconds in the quarter mile. Who's making that? Lucid company lucid uh, and they're like some electric like a company new, startup yeah they've been around for a few years but this is their first production vehicle they claim and you'll be able to uh, be delivering what by next year that's i mean luxury ev electric sedan is an american automotive company company was founded and is based in newark california 07 and the public investment fund of saudi arabia owns 67 percent of it wow um, do, you, do you think I should become a stand-up star? A stand-up star? Should I try? I mean, I made I you laugh on the podcast. Can, yeah, I think, I think you can do some stand-up. Some, not particularly stand-up, but improv. Yeah, you think I'm more of an improv guy? Yeah, yeah, definitely improv. Stand-up, it requires... Um, the, the jokes, like a lot of time and preparation, and some of your best jokes are just like off the cuff, right? Just like in the moment. That's a, you you know, that's the a energy real, around you. Exactly. That's a real interesting insight. Huh. All right. Yeah, because I've always, I always poo-pooed improv and I've always been more into stand-up. But at the same time, 
Yeah, well, because also you don't really like my hero, like a Jerry Seinfeld or writers like Larry David. I mean, these are not improv guys. And there is something about they being did able Second to write City, a though, huh? Did Seinfeld do Second City? Uh, Larry David might have. Okay. I don't know if Seinfeld ever did. I think Seinfeld was always doing. Uh, I could be wrong. Just straight comedy clubs. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You, you you come out, so then you come out, and you're kind of an entertainer. And I, and I do feel like I have this a bit of an entertainer gene. Which I, which I like exercising. Um, how do you define intelligence? Oh, that's a tough question. You know, I'm not sure. I think you're allowed to. Ability to. It's like a combination of a bunch of different things. You could be like really intelligent in one area, but not so much in another area. Right? So you can be very good at maybe reading comprehension and understanding what you're reading and learning that skill, but mm -hmm. very bad at reading a person and how mm -hmm. that person is going to react to what you say. That's interesting. There's definitely different kinds of intelligence. But yeah, just skill or ability in a particular area or something can show intelligence. And how do you measure that and compile all that intelligence and then give like, you know, your score? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. That's, I don't think there's any perfect tool. Have you, uh, did you ever take the SATs? A long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time for everybody. You don't yeah. remember, what, what did you get as a score? ACT like 34 or something. It's a long time ago. ACT? You didn't take the SAT? No, I didn't take the SAT. None of the schools I was um, applying to needed a SAT score. Uh, your SAT score, according to this tool, is 15.1550. Yeah. And I got a 15.1550. So that's, uh, that's real high. That's real high. So did you have to study a lot for it? Or this, did it come to you more naturally? Mm, no, I took it once that year. You didn't do any test prep? No, nah, not really. Did you, how did you become smart then? <laughs> <laughs> it just, just naturally happened. Is it, do you think I'm it just interested, up? just interested in things, just curious and interest. So you explore a bunch of different areas. How did you explore back then though? Um, Big like to read, I love to read. Yeah, school library in particular it was the only real library I had access to. Tell me about that. Like, so what, you you how you would be able to get books like anytime you wanted? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just go check out books from the library. And how many books would you go through? Oh, that I have no idea. But would you like take a book and read it there for a second, or would you always just take them and go home and read them at home, or read them in the class? Or... It was like a short story, read it there. But yeah, probably a lot of reading during class too. Not paying yeah, just, attention to the teacher. Not paying attention to the teacher at <laughs> all. Just hiding it. <laughs> all right. Yep. So that's another. And did your parents encourage it, or this is kind of something that just happened naturally? Uh, just kind of something that happened, I guess, because we lived like down down the road in the middle of nowhere with only dial-up internet. <laughs> Do you think your 
Do you think there's a genetic component? Like, do, do you find some intelligence of yourself in your mom or dad? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Both? Either? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, it's hard to... It's hard to separate it out. They do, yeah, they do. They have different interests as well, they do. They aren't interested in the same things either. What's your dad interested in? Uh, like cars and building stuff. Uh, how about your mom? Uh, yeah, she was always more into books. So now you're a perfect combination of you like cars that... and building things <laughs> and book reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. What's your current wife into? Uh, she's a book reading. She's upstairs reading right now. Got it. So you double, you're doubling down on the book reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's smart. I never read as much as I should. Yeah, I'm, very sad in the demise of uh, Barnes and Noble and paper books in general. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, the Kindle's convenient, but there's nothing like holding the paper in the hand in the book. It just smells different. You know, like different. the pages and the ink, yeah. So do you still read a lot uh, by, uh, like by, actual, by actual books? <laughs> only certain, only certain books. Sorry. Cool. Yeah, only uh, read certain books, books that um, I'm very interested in. Otherwise, I'll just read it on the Kindle. So, like uh, Brandon Sanderson, he's one of my favorite authors. What kind of books does he write? Like, so he writes in a few different genres, but like one of his specialties is is world building. So he builds like worlds and magic oh. systems and stuff like that. So he does like fantasy, but he also does like Western novels and space novels, but it's all fiction. Cool. Does, it, does he usually do series? Yeah, yeah. He usually does series. And so um, most of his books have like an overarching theme that he calls like the Cosmere. So like a lot of his books are intertwined. That's so it's like also, it's a lot to keep straight, you know, when all your books cross. You like that about him. He's making your brain work. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting because it's more than just him. He has like a bunch of assistants and fact checkers and stuff that help him write his books. And so like he produces a massive amount of um, content. He's not like George R. R. Martin who may never finish Game of Thrones. He's written like five or ten books in a time it takes George to write one. More than that, probably. He's a fucking machine. Yeah, he's yeah. A team. He yeah, a team. he's a machine. He has a process. Um his own publishing company so like he's able to produce high quality content fast it's so, like a very modern day author i love that is he on instagram yeah and uh he's, he's on all the social media <laughs> and so he's doing things recently like um doing kickstarters to release uh leather bound special editions of his books that have been going very well and they're like really nice books. Have you tried getting them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got them all? Yeah, we got a few of them. We got uh, the newest one as well, The Way of Kings. It, the book's so large, it comes in two leather-bound books. Do you ever like watch TV? Yeah, we watch some TV. What's like what what stands up to book reading these days? Well, what do I like to watch these days? You know, so for a while I was watching the Forged in Fire stuff, 
And so I told my wife, I'm like, I'm getting a forge in the garage. And she's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so that's like to make your own swords? Like what would you yeah, do with yeah. that? It's just metal. I don't just know. Metal it would just be fun. Just, <laughs> yeah, you just make metal stuff. I think that's thing. a great idea. Do you have a 3D printer? No, I don't have a 3D printer. Maybe that's next. If they printed metal, I probably would. So. That's it? So, like, just that reality forging TV? Reality TV about forging? Oh, yeah. Forging fire is good. Um, Night Fight. I don't know if you've seen Night Fight. No, what's that? So, there's something. Have you ever been to a Renfest, a Renaissance Festival? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. They have... um. They have like the melee fights, you know, the guys in armor in yeah. some form of armor fighting. Well, they have like an actual professional league called Armored Combat League. And oh, these wow. guys are basically like the professional armor fighters. And so they have um, a season where they do a show and then these six armored fighters fight. And the top guy from that um, episode goes on to the finals and then they fight again. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. I think it's a. Uh, it's way more exciting than MMA, I think. Is it but, real? Like, they're not staged? No, no, they're not staged. So, like, the weapons are blunted, Okay. you know, but you're still hitting people with a giant block of metal, so. Yeah, on, on like, really, <laughs> and you're carrying, like, heavy... 80 pounds of plate mail, yeah. Yikes, and this is, like, uh, wow. It was on the History Channel, so it's for free on YouTube. You check it out. I'm into it. History Channel, I think, had this Top Shot. I was, I like watching Top Shot. They come up with yeah. some crazy competitions. Yeah, I can't wait for season two. But this is not LARPing. That's what I was going to say. This is not no, no, LARPing. no. These guys are definitely not LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the soundbite. These guys are definitely not LARPing. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, my show has a couple of recurring segments, as I'm sure you know, since you do your homework. Um, <laughs> one is called Hot Tips. It's time for Hot Tips. It's time for Hot Tips. Do, 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 do. Hot Tips. <laughs> Give us the hottest of the hottest of the hottest tips, please. Scorching Hot Tips. So that, you know, I think you get the idea. We want to hear a hot tip from you. It can be anything. You already gave some good advice about life and everything else. Um, but it can be absolutely anything that you want to bestow upon the audience, something that you consider to be a hot tip. Okay. Time. Yeah, right. So it's something I'm working on right now, right? So in a new virtual world, um, how you appear and sound to your client, right, can be very important. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is something I have come to realize in my own job. And so I've taken upon myself to start improving you know, the quality of my workspace. I'm not using it for this podcast stream, but come Monday, the space is going to be set up. Thanks right. for waiting until you right. do my on the shitty equipment. Look, but look, we could, I would, I would do it again. It just came in. Yeah. yeah, what? yeah well, we're not even recording. This is going out. Big boy. Yeah. Okay. We could do another so one. yeah, increasing the 4k content. Like there's plenty of people out there who are perfecting the workflows in the software that make this possible to do. But is this about the technical stuff though? Like, is this about the mic or is it about creativity and like yeah, so it's not technical and hard So like, is. for example, you, if you're streaming, you could do like a branded overlay 
for your company. Um, when you're presenting your screen, you know, you can have your branded overlay with your webcam in the screen placed in an area that doesn't obstruct your presentation. You know, and so if you build a streaming workstation as well, you could have your main workstation you're working on just output your video into your streaming workstation so that you're not affected. So like you're not affected. So an example I'd ran to in work is probably not good for recording, but example I'd ran into for work. That's fine. I mean, we're getting it. It's like you're, you yeah. need to, you want to stream, you want to have the workflow in place, but what are you streaming? Tell me more about the content that you want to be streaming in this new world, in this new virtual world. Like, uh, you know, explain to me how the regular small Joe needs, needs to know about this. Why is it important to us? Why is this a hot tip? Yeah, why is this a hot tip? I know it, it's hard, but I just presenting yourself well, I think is really important now in a virtual world. If you want to stay working from home, stay virtual, and you can do it better than everyone else, I mean, you're guaranteed to be employed, right? Oh, it's an advantage. For example, yeah, I'm like, I'm real good. I'm like a virtual Pavel. Like I excel at being virtual. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I did my whole five years at Blue Tree completely virtually building a remote team. I, I, and, um, you know, I'm able to, I think, build relationships virtually, which is like really the key. Um, and presenting yourself virtually is also very important. I mean, I think people separate themselves into camera people and not camera people. I'm all about yeah. that camera. Turn the camera. Mode. Yeah, I think we don't use the camera enough, and I think the camera can help supplement weaker people skills over the phone. Right. So, For like, sure. if they can see you, that you're sincere, honest, they have a face to your voice. Right. I look handsome. It would be right much. It would be much easier to work with someone. And if you're handsome, it also helps. Oh yeah, of course. And so what is, so, your hot, yeah, so, what is your hot tip in a sentence? Buy a second workstation to stream on? Pay attention. Be camera ready for your meetings. Pay attention to, how, to your appearance. Um, pay Good attention advice, to always. your lighting. Yeah, lighting. yeah. Pay attention to your lighting in front of you. Very important. You know, make sure the area that you're going to streamcast from that they can see you clearly. You know, not necessarily streamcasting, but you're working with people professionally. I, I know the idea is there. I know the idea is there. I'm just working on it. It's a new idea. I think you are. You are right. Um, yeah. And I think the so way I, I would maybe give it as a hot tip to, to my audience is to say, your brand is important. Pay attention to your brand no, because not everybody is working remotely, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of my listeners are, but some are not. And then, and then for those people that are not working remotely, they're like, okay, well, I don't, you know, I come in to work and no, I'm a doctor. I come in and I have to see patients all the time, even though now we have telemedicine. Yeah. I'm a veterinarian. You don't really do veterinarian over the, the uh... after COVID, everybody's virtual now. Right. If it's some possible form to be or virtual, another, yes. yes, that's true. It's some form or another. So if you have meetings with people that are not in your company or maybe people in your company that are just at a different location at this time, your branding is important to yourself and other people.
and there's never a better payoff than now when more people are paying attention to it and so would you put on like a nice piece of clothing would you i think i think and see this is what i think i think you got to be authentic you have to authentic. authentic is important though if you're not authentic and you have the camera on and you're being virtual it, it, it actually screams it yeah i don't think the backgrounds um the fake backgrounds are as effective as having they're not a real background behind like I, I love your background i would hire you what do you want to do let's hire you right now <laughs> yeah yeah no no we're just casual now but yeah like you can send a casual message to is. some to people with your background by what's in your background how it's organized to make up for other people's skills right like there are ways for somebody who's not personable through their voice to be personable in other ways like so some people like need to go into the office to have that personal connection with others right and yeah. that's those non-verbal skills that you need to try and transmit which are all visual exactly and a good hot tip everybody enjoy it i like it the other thing i have on the show is um the transformation teleportation sponsored by elon musk he is the owner of tesla he is the owner of spacex he might be an alien elon musk um so i have this machine and like what uh, it looks like a glass but a special elon musk machine and once i once i put it on my to put it on my head, we'll teleport somewhere. Um, so we can teleport anywhere you want. It'll be fun. You can kind of, we can kind of see what it looks like. It's going to use your memories. So you're asking me where I want to teleport to if I put this glass on my head? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you don't even have to use, put the glass on. I can do it for the both of us. Always wanted to go to Tokyo. Wow. This is cool here. T- tell me about it. What, you, what is this? What am I seeing? Oh, I'm supposed to use my memories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying where I want to go. I'm just saying where I want to go. All right. Well, have you never seen a movie like Lost in Translation? Maybe you can just use that as your memories. I'm imagining like lots of flashing neon lights, like lots of people moving around back and forth. Um, I'm excited for the street food. I want to go check out um, all their weird little cafes and stuff. I want some sushi off of a conveyor belt. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to go play some uh, some VR video games in some so, of the Tokyo areas. They have some good stuff over there. Yeah. What else? You got very low. Where else do you want to go? You know, it's been a long time. I went to Toronto once. I really like the area. You know, I'd I'd love to go back to Toronto again. What's in Tor- like? What? Tell me about Toronto. What? what what's cool about that? <laughs> Toronto, another <laughs> TO city. So on the spectrum of teleportation, really easy. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Toronto, I thought the city was uh, very clean. 
there was a lot of old architecture around the area. Um, a lot of styling I had recognized from New Orleans and Louisiana area. So we had a we had a very good time walking around through the city, just looking at the different art and because there's art installations all through the city. It's a very modern city, very modern design city. Cool. Um, yeah, we just really enjoyed ourselves. They have good food in the area in Toronto. Of course, everybody speaks English English in Toronto as well. I speak English. Yep. Do you speak any French? You know, only a little bit. I took like three years of French, but hadn't used it in so long, forgot. It happens. Yeah. My five-year-old is in a French immersion program right now, wow. and we're doing homeschool, so I'm picking it up again. Oh, that's dope. Just like the teachers are always zooming on the... Yep. What's homeschool? Zooming in French. Zooming in French? Is that what homeschool is? Oh, no, no, it's not. It's virtual class until they go back. They go back um, not it's next not week, but the week after. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then he's going to start learning French. I don't know. So him and his little brother are going to be able to talk French, and me and my wife can't. So we're going to have to learn have to learn French, yeah, so they can't uh, talk behind us anymore. Hey, thanks for talking about We learned a lot about whiskey. You know, you haven't really talked about New Orleans. I was curious about New Orleans, like, I guess New Orleans is big. You didn't grow up in proper New Orleans, but still, it's it's a city with so much energy and so much music and so much good food. Like, um, do you yeah. think people should move here? Like, what's it like really growing up in a city? Like, would you ever when you were like, would you ever go there a lot? Like, is Tulane in New Orleans? Yeah, yeah, Tulane's in New Orleans, uptown New Orleans. So I guess maybe um, living here so long, maybe I take like all the festivals all the time, maybe for granted. Right. You would, you go, would you go? Yeah, like we used to go. We haven't gone in a while. You know, I guess maybe we're just getting... There's like a point in time after you have kids where you stop going to like anything. So I think we're, we <laughs> might be over that hump. I don't know. It but, just because always tired? Yeah, and then like you can't really... Do you want to bring your kids with you to these big crowded events in the city? Nah. You'd know, rather go to other places with them. But yeah, so the festivals, the food's amazing. There's all kinds of small restaurants, pop-up, gone. Who knows what's coming back now? I love it. Great yeah. cocktails. Some of the best cocktails of the country, I think. Oh, yeah. Tales of the Cocktails here every year. What's that? And then they have oh, Tales of the Cocktail. That's when, oh. like, all the mixologists from everywhere, they come all to New Orleans and they, have, they hold a convention on... Oh. The state oh. of cocktails and how to make cocktails. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah, they like uh, present all kinds of new techniques and equipment. They have, um, you know, uh, they call them spirited dinners where they do dinner pairings with food and either cocktails or whiskey. You know, I've gone to Four Roses dinner, I went to an Angel's Envy dinner down here as well. Which that is sounds amazing. good. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have like different contests and stuff like. They'll have the mixologists at like bars and then you get tickets. You can go around and like vote for who you thought had was making the best cocktail um, by putting the tickets in their thing. So that's pretty fun. That's awesome. And then, you know, it's just the whole, the whole atmosphere, the tales of the cocktail is amazing. What's the weather like in New Orleans? Like the snow in the winter? Mm, rarely, rarely. It gets hot and humid in the summer. 
Yeah, it's maybe smoked like two or three times in my lifetime down here. What like enough it? to collect underground. What about in the summer? It gets hot. It gets hot in 100% humidity. <laughs> 100% humidity. So it's not like the best place weather related. What is the best place to live in New Orleans? Or best months, rather. Best months. Is it spring? Is it fall? Yeah, I'm trying to think uh, maybe like... Uh, I, I would still come for Christmas. Christmas is awesome. I have a lot of stuff to do around here for Christmas. Really? What do you do for Christmas in New Orleans? So they have um, like the Audubon Zoo has some Christmas stuff going on. The and what? They have, uh, the Audubon, Audubon Zoo? Zoo? The Audubon, yeah. like the guest, like the German Speedway Audubon? What the hell? No, no, like Audubon is in Audubon Institute. That's, that's just the guy's name. Okay. It's like a zoo. It's like a, it's a very large zoo. Very large zoo. It's nice. It's, an, it's a public New Orleans zoo that throws a yep. big Christmas party. Cool. Yeah, they have Christmas things there. And then uh, City Park has um, Christmas in the Oaks where they have uh, the lights up in the botanical gardens and then you can walk around and do a bunch of stuff around there as well. Are you a big Christmas guy? Like you love Christmas? Yeah, I think so. I think I like Christmas and Halloween. Those are your really two? good around here. Yeah. Best Voodoo Music Fest was really big. What's that? So it's like a multi-day music festival that they hold in City Park, but it's like uh, it's multiple stages and like each stage will generally have like a theme. <laughs> like they'll have like the hip hop stage, they'll have the rock stage. They'll have like an EDM oh, okay, set it's up. It's like a music festival. Yeah, so, yeah, but like a, a, a big music festival. That's awesome. And then like after Voodoo Fest, um, you know, some of the artists will go out to the different clubs in the city and play. Like Skrillex played at uh, the Dragon's Den one time. At Elysian Fields, that was awesome. I'm sorry, Esplanade. That's fucking awesome. And that was after playing his set um, – at Voodoo Fest, he just like showed up at the club. Where, if I wanted to move to New Orleans, where would I live? What do you suggest I get a place? I mean, right, so somewhere either in the Garden District, that maybe uptown. Nice. That sounds nice. Um, over around the area by the fairgrounds um that's closer to the cemeteries and stuff um you'll be like in between the lake and the french quarter so you have like a lot of options on stuff you can do and then there's like a lot of uh small uh corner cafes and bistros that you can just like walk to in that area and then the streetcar runs along that area too that sounds amazing i'm into it that was New Orleans. Uh, well, hopefully I can come and visit. We can go out for a drink. You know, hopefully COVID will go away. What's your over under on when COVID goes away? I don't know what. So not until vaccines are readily available are people going to be like willing to take that sort of risk again. You know, and then you have a bunch of people who just don't want to mask for whatever reason. So it could be longer, I don't know, like middle of next year, right? Maybe we should have some vaccines go around, safe enough for everybody to take. Easy. Yeah, well, I no, think by, by this time, now, huh? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And obviously, they called me to ask if it's okay first. And I told them, yeah, no problem. <laughs> they asked you because they threw all their doctors out the window. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I hate Russia. And I hate Putin. And Putin, just don't come after me. Just leave me alone. I'm in my Mahoya bubble. I'm not trying to do anything bad. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for coming on the show. That was Brett Watkins with Paolo Titlowski, Paolo Cast. <laughs>